God will have his way and God will be victorious. Whether it, and it's whether it's across centuries or millennia or if it's from one year to the next, God is in control and uh, he will accomplish his purposes. And we can kind of choose to sit back and not take part or, the way, or we can do something that I see this church doing and that is getting involved and being part of what God is doing. Uh, and we can, we can ride that wave. And uh, the, th- the biggest thing God did to accomplish his purposes was he sent his son and his son lived and he died and he rose again and he lives today. So we're going to sing this song about, uh, about Jesus being alive because he is. He's alive. He's here today. Let's stand and we're going to sing and we're going to praise God this morning together. One, two, three.
every day a brand new chance to say Jesus you are the only way my Savior my Savior lives
Have a seat. And David, if you would come up here and help us with some announcements. Good morning. welcome you today to Community Fellowship Church of the Nazarene for uh, the last Sunday of 2017. <laughs> it, it seemed like it was just yesterday that it started. <laughs> it's amazing how fast uh, time flies, but it's good to welcome you here today. And uh, we, uh, I can't help but uh, see our newest uh, attendee right here, never been here before, James Wyatt Hood. Tanner, show up, stand up and show us. Looks like he's asleep. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. First time here. He might sleep through your message there, Brother Don. I don't know. but uh, <laughs> All right. That's good. We want to welcome them today. Like I said, his first time here. And uh, today, as I said, is the last Sunday of 2017, and we're looking forward to 2018. And uh, so we want to keep in mind a couple of announcements. Uh, there will be no Wednesday activities this week, once again. And then on Sunday the 7th, uh, that will be a momentous day in the life of our church. We're uh, expecting our new pastor, Reverend Steve Sanchez, uh, to be here, and that will be his first uh, Sunday with us uh, next Sunday, and uh, we're certainly looking forward to that. And um, and while we're talking about that, uh, the office should be open this week from Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at least. And if you have not had a chance to bring by uh, non-perishable food items. Uh, that you would like to give, uh, and we're, we're kind of doing a food pounding for uh, our new pastor. And uh, the, like I said, the church office will be open, and you can do that this week and leave it in the little basket out there or give it to someone. That would be very helpful. Or gift cards, and you could just give those to the ushers or just bring them to the office as well uh, this week. And uh, then next Sunday... On his first Sunday here, we are having a potluck dinner in the uh, fellowship hall. So uh, bring your favorite dish and uh, to share, and uh, we'll join in a meal together uh, next Sunday. We'll ask our ushers to come at uh, this time. Now, over the you know, and we we talked about giving for 2018 last week, and I'm not going to get too much into that except to say that over the next several weeks, one thing you not, might need to be praying about and thinking about your giving is that we have uh, a roof leak down in the nursery area that is going to be fairly expensive to repair. We're not totally sure how much yet. We've had one bid that is looking like about $12,000, which if you could make a contribution in that direction, we would sure appreciate it. We're trying to get it less than that if we can, and we're trying to get other bids. Hopefully we can and get it less than that. But we need to fix that problem because it is causing some damage in the nursery area down there. So just keep that in mind as you pray and as you uh, ask God how 
you should give in the next several weeks, and we would appreciate that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today, for this opportunity to be in your house. We're thankful, Lord, for this season of the year that we've just celebrated the birth of Jesus. And now we're looking forward to 2018 and everything that that holds. We know that you have great things in store for Community Fellowship Church of the Nazarene. And I pray that you would just out, pour out your blessings upon us as we give in service to you. Bless this offering now and use it to, to build your kingdom and to glorify your name. Amen.
He is my 
So I'm standing trust, I stand in faith, I will not be shaken. God, through the ages, you are in control through the ages. Your purposes are accomplished. God, you will be victorious and you will have your way. God, as we go from this year to a new year, we just say that we are your people. God, we are for you. We know that you are for us. God, we will not be moved from the purposes that you have for us. God, we will not be shaken. God, we will walk with you. We ask God that you would walk with us, that you'd be near. God, we ask that your, that your spirit continue to reign in this place and as Pastor Bill so brings the message. God, pour that message, your word, your desires for us through your spirit deep down into our hearts. We say that our God, you are our God. You will not be moved and you will never change and you will reign forevermore, God. We lift up our praise and our, our worship and our love for you this morning. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. And all people said, amen. You may be seated. And it's our great pleasure once again to have Pastor Bozell with us to bring the word. <clears throat> well, thank you, and thank you for the music. That was uh, wonderful again today. And uh, this is my fifth and final Sunday with you, and I just want to tell you uh, what a privilege it has been to be here with you. Wow. That'll work. To be here with you these uh, five Sundays that the Lord has allowed me uh, to speak to you. I tell you that the Lord has really been fighting me this week about uh, what I would come and what I would say. That the devil does that, you know. The devil fights you when uh, you have the message of the hour. And when somebody in the congregation needs to hear what you, what you have to say. And, uh, but I just want to express my appreciation uh, and your generosity for having me here. Having my wife with me these last two Sundays has helped. Uh, before that, she just said, catch you later. And <laughs> out the door I went on my assignment. So uh, $12,000 for a new roof. I've, I've been there as a pastor. And I can tell you that roofs are very expensive. But I'm just wondering, could we just get a couple cans of that Flex Seal? <laughs> you think that might work? Could we try that first? I see that on television. It's really a miracle product. And I've often wondered, I mean, when you see him spray that screen, you know, on the bottom of the boat and then he goes out fishing, surely it can stop a leak in the nursery, don't you think? Not all leaks in the nursery, but certainly the roof. <laughs> wouldn't want to spray the babies with Flex Seal, but uh, some of them. Well, Reverend Sanchez is going to come next Sunday, and it's going to be his first Sunday. <laughs> wow, I love these things. It's going to be his first Sunday with us, or with you. And uh, could I just uh, say in his defense today that uh, first Sundays of any church is the hardest. That'll be the hardest Sunday that he will spend with you. 
and I know that. I, I only pastored four churches during my ministry, one for two and a half years, and one for four years, and then one for 17 years, and one for 14 years. And uh, I can tell you that in every one of those churches, the first Sunday was always the hardest. I remember my very first assignment, I came from the Springdale Church in Nazarene where they had a lot of paid staff in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, and I was taking my first church at uh, Louisville, Kentucky, Louisville Trinity Church. I'm a Kentucky colonel, by the way, so that should know that. And uh, that helps me, helps you to forgive me for what I say that I'm a Kentucky colonel. And I walked, into this, I walked into the church that Sunday morning, and <clears throat> apparently the guy who was doing the music, who I had no idea who was going to do the music, because I never worried about that. It always took care of itself. And he walked up to me as I walked in the door, and he says, well, pastor, he says, what are we singing this morning? I don't know. <laughs> what are we singing this morning? He said, well, the pastor picks out the songs that we're singing. What are we singing this morning? And I said, you know what, if you could do me a favor <clears throat> and just pick out the songs this morning for me and tonight, because, you know, you used to have to had two services, I said, that would just be a wonderful thing. And I promise you, never will we ever be without a hymn again when I come here to this church, but please, just this Sunday. And then I remember my first uh, Sunday in my third church, after the first Sunday was over, I was told that uh, one of the board members was really upset with me. In fact, he was mad at me. And I thought, how could that possibly be, uh, you know, that a board member would be mad at me? I'd only been there one Sunday. Didn't think I offended anybody with my message. And come to find out that it was his feelings because of the position that he had placed himself in that I was supposed to have contacted him when I got the town first before I talked to anybody else. Folks, you don't make this stuff up. This, is, this really happens. And uh, so I got in trouble that way. So I just tell you with uh, Reverend uh, Sanchez, if you'll give him a little grace uh, during his pastorate here, and if you'll give him a lot of grace the first Sunday, uh, that would be one problem. I'm telling you, you don't know any of the people. You don't know the procedure. You don't know where the restroom is. You don't know anything and it just really needs uh, a lot of grace. In fact, if you're bad at names like I am, you gotta give them about four years of grace. That uh, would be nice, uh, but that's kind of the way that it is. I wanna read one verse of scripture for you this morning. The Lord wanted me to, on a, uh, usually what was always a Sunday for me to challenge the church. I don't wanna challenge the church this morning because you have a pastor that is coming, and I know that you're looking forward to the challenge that he will present to you uh, if and whenever he does that. Uh, but so this morning, I just want to challenge you as an individual and talk to you about a few things that the Lord showed me uh, from one verse of Scripture. In fact, it, it is literally one verse of Scripture. It stands alone. The uh, verse is actually a paragraph in the Bible, it's uh, Matthew chapter 26. <laughs> this isn't going to work. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 30. Would you stand while we read the word this morning and then we'll pray? And this is what it says. It's talking about Jesus. The challenge this morning comes from Jesus and from his life. 
And I don't know a better way to close out uh, a time with the congregation than to share with you a truth that comes from Jesus himself. He's not speaking here, though. This is not red letter. This is just a statement about Jesus and his ministry, and this is what it says. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. You have to understand this is following the Lord's Supper. This is following a time when he was with the disciples. This is following a time when he had literally fingered or pointed to the man who would literally turn him over to the enemy that would lead to his crucifixion. You have to understand that it is in that particular setting that God inspired the writer Matthew to put this one verse that stood alone as a paragraph, and it says this, After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Let's pray together. And before we pray, we want to be sure and remember while you're praying today, Reverend Sanchez and his family. And uh, would you also remember our Korean pastor from the Colleen Church of the Nazarene, where I attend church. Uh, he had a stroke this week and a very serious one. I was in to see him on uh, Friday at Scott and White Hospital, and uh, they were working on him and had decided to move him from a regular room to intensive care. Uh, the stroke was very serious, and I know he would appreciate your prayer this morning. It's Reverend Her, H-U-R, our Korean pastor in Colleen, Texas. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the blessings uh, that you bring to us today. We lift Brother Her, Lord, and his family to you today and ask, Father, that you would uh, particularly have your touch upon him today. There are others that are sick. I'm sure from this congregation, Lord, there are those that are physically ill today, Lord, or in nursing homes. And they need your touch today, Father, and I pray blessings upon them. And Lord, I'm thankful for the message that you've laid on my heart, and I pray that you would guide me as I deliver it to the people. I pray that we would have open hearts and open minds. Lord, of this truth that uh, is shared, Lord, in this one verse that uh, is a paragraph in the Bible that was put there for a purpose. Give us guidance and direction in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. It is called in the Bible, where it is found many, many, many times, the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives, or Mount Olivet. It's uh, a limestone hill, one mile in length, and they tell us that it, it sets at an elevation, this huge mountain sets at an elevation of uh, 20 seven feet above sea level. Hardly a mountain as we would call mountains, amen? Hardly something you would even describe as a mountain. You might even wonder why it's even listed as a, as a mountain uh, in the Bible. But uh, I've stood there, I've stood there on that mountain, and I've looked across the Kidron Valley which on the other side of it from the Mount of Olives lies a, the Kidron Valley and then a cemetery and then the Golden Gate. No one enters the city through the Golden Gate. And the reason for that is because the cemetery was placed there out in front of the Golden Gate and it would be disrespectful 
and even against the law to cross a cemetery to enter a city uh, by that particular means. And so the Golden Gate stands unusable, but it is what you see from the Mount of Olives, and it is also the gate that the Golden Gate is the gate that the Bible tells us Jesus will enter back into the temple area when he comes again. The Mount of Olives holds, I guess, as much history and as much prophecy and probably gets as much time as any spot on the face of the earth other than maybe Jerusalem itself or the Sea of Galilee. If you know your Bible this morning, you know that it was there that David, barefoot and with a covered head, fled with a broken heart when Absalom, his son, had uh, finished going to battle with David and had literally taken over the leadership of God's people. David covers his head, the Bible tells us, and bears his feet, and uh, weeping, he fled the city over the Mount of Olives. It was on the Mount of Olives where the famous tent legions were entrenched, and history tells us that it is there that Pompey gathered his armies and led his devastating hordes against the people of God. It was on the Mount of Olives where Ezekiel himself saw this great vision concerning the second coming of the Lord and the things that were going to take place prophetically in the last days. It was up and down the road to the Mount of Olives that our Lord himself traveled many, many a day. I think perhaps uh, Jesus, as it shows or seems to indicate in the Bible, loved to stay in Bethany on one side of the Mount of Olives, there with uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And I can see him as he rises in the morning and goes up over the Mount of Olives and down through the Valley of Kidron, through the Golden Gate and into the city as he continued his ministry during those days. And at the end of that particular day of work and trials and tribulation and persecution, he would leave the city of Jerusalem, go up over the Mount of Olives, go down to that beautiful little town of Bethany, and there he would rest again. It was on the Mount of Olives where our Lord went after the Lord's Supper. The scripture that we read to you this morning, the Bible says that, and when they had sung a hymn, they then went out to the Mount of Olives. For you see, it was the Mount of Olives that our Lord spent many of his nights. In the last verse of John chapter 7, it says this, and every man went on to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Jesus was on the Mount of Olives. The only time in the Bible that it's recorded that he ever wept for his people. It was there that he said these words, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered you as a hen gathers her chicks and you would not. And the Bible tells us that it was on the Mount of Olives on that Palm Sunday that Jesus cried and wept over the city of what could have been done if they had listened to him, the Son of God who had come to change the world. We know that it's at the foot of the Mount of Olives along its base where the flashing lanterns came and Jesus was arrested 
and taken into the city to be tried and later to die on Calvary's hill. And listen to this. Oh, this is so important. It will be, it will be the very spot on the face of this earth that Jesus plans to come again. If you want a ticket, my friends, to see the coming of the Lord, and you want the very best seat possible, and you can somehow predict the day that he is going to come, you want to get a ticket to the grandstand that is built on Mount Olivet, on the Mount of Olives. For it is in that very place that the Bible says that Jesus will come, an earthquake will take place, the Mount of Olives will be split in twain, and the Lord shall come back as the Savior of the world and the King of kings and the Lord of lords, where he was once arrested and persecuted and led away to die for your sins. Mount Olivet, the Mount of Olives. So I asked myself this uh, question or something came to my mind. You know, a place that is dear to my Lord is also dear to me. I remember when I was in Jerusalem and we had gone through what I felt was one too many Catholic churches in order to see interesting places uh, that Jesus was born and he had done this here and this here and this here. And uh, so we had gone to the, uh, to the Garden of Gethsemane, which is at the base of the Mount of Olives, and they were going to take the group once again up to a Catholic church where they were going to teach them something about uh, the Lord and, and what he had done in that particular location, they were gonna go into this Catholic church and teach this. And I said to the group that I was with, I said, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna be a part of this uh, because this one place right here, the Garden of Gethsemane, means so much to me because it meant so much to my Lord. And not only that, but I'm aware of the fact that when Jesus literally walked upon the face of this earth, he prayed here in the Garden of Gethsemane, and not only did he pray there in the Garden of Gethsemane, but listen to this, he prayed under the very same olive trees that are still there in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so I said to the group, I'm not going to go and see whatever it is that uh, is a part of the tour here. I said, if you don't mind, I'm just going to stay here. Thank God they came back that way. I'm just going to stay here, and I'm just going to pray under these olive trees as Jesus did 2,000 years ago. Because you see, a place that is precious to someone that I love <clears throat> is also precious to me. Uh, my wife was from Odessa, Texas. <clears throat> mentioned that last week. Don't recommend that you vacation in Odessa, Texas, but it is a, it is a nice place, uh, sort of. And so I've spent a lot of time uh, in Odessa, Texas on occasion. 
And the reason that I've spent a lot of time in Odessa, Texas is not because I was on vacation, but because a place that is dear to someone that you love is also dear to you. Amen? You know, it used to be that our nation, we're so messed up now politically, but it used to be that anybody who was elected president of the United States, one of the things that you wanted to do was to go to the hometown where that president was born. And all over the United States, there are these places where, especially in Indiana, Ohio, and Illinois, where these presidents of the past, and now Texas has got three of them, where these presidents were born, you want to go there and you want to see the place of the birth of the man who became president because of the position and the dearness that he holds uh, to your heart. Many of you may have never heard of a place by the name of uh, uh, Latrobe, Pennsylvania. And as a teenager and a little boy and a teenager and in my early days of teaching, I wanted to go to Latrobe, Pennsylvania. You probably don't want to go to Latrobe, Pennsylvania, but I wanted to go to Latrobe, Pennsylvania because I wanted to see that tractor that had been kept alive by Pennzoil for a golfer by the name of Arnold Palmer. It was his hometown, and I just thought that Arnold Palmer was like the king of kings and lord of lords. Uh, to a golfer, and so I wanted to go to Latrobe, Pennsylvania. <clears throat> I'll never forget uh, a couple of summers ago, my youngest daughter went on vacation with her husband, which is always a good thing to do, took the children, which is another good thing to do. And they were going up to Chicago, and they were going to vacation in Chicago. And the next thing you know, I get a text from them, or a, uh, not a text, but a FaceTime from them, and they said, guess where we are? And I said, I can't imagine. They said, we're at the farm. <laughs> it was Joe, and he was all excited. We're at the farm. Well, what farm are you at? <laughs> well, the farm where you were born. <laughs> I wanted to see where you were born, and so we came out and we, we found the farm. You know, the farm that you preach about. We're here. <laughs> see, a place that is dear to someone that we love is also very dear to us. But then I, I asked myself this question, and this is where I want to teach this morning. I asked myself this question, why was the Mount of Olives, of all the places in the Holy Land, why was that spot dear to Jesus' heart? That's the question. Why, why wouldn't it be some spot on the Sea of Galilee where it's so beautiful and surrounding that area? Why, why wouldn't it be down there on the River of Jordan where John baptized him and, and the, the beauty and they, they grow this fruit there and there's beautiful trees, but why would it be that this place the Mount of Olives was so special to Jesus. And I find out, my friends, that there are four reasons that I want to drive into your heart this morning as a challenge for 2018. First of all, I want you to notice that it was the place 
where he met God. And then secondly, I want to talk about the fact that it was the place where he met God. And then thirdly, we need to discuss the fact that it was the place where he met God. And then fourthly, you need to understand that the Mount Olivet, the Mount of Olives, was the place where he met God. The point sounds the same, the teaching is different and so vital to your personal life. First of all, number one, it was the place. Why was the Mount of Olives valuable to Jesus? Because it was the place where he met God. Listen to what it says. It was on the Mount of Olives where he said these words, Father, if it be possible, now get this, let this cup pass from me. And then he said, but nevertheless, Father, not my will, but thine be done. It was there that Jesus took all that he was and all that he ever will be and gave it to the hands of the Father. Even though he knew he was going to go to the cross and die for man's sins, it was at that place, at the foot of the Mount of Olives, that Jesus literally surrendered everything that he ever was or ever will be to God the Father. You want to have a successful 2018? Let me suggest something to you. What I would like to suggest to you is this. Find God's will for your life and live it in the year that is ahead. If you didn't do very well in 2017, 2016, 2015, if you haven't done very well up to this very time, make 2018 the year that you're going to tell Jesus himself that you're going to give him everything that you are, everything that you ever will be, everything that you own, everything that's a part of your life. You're going to live for him. Let me tell you something, folks. The place where you meet God is the big place, and the place that you meet him is in the center of his will. You know, I was talking about the pastor coming here uh, next Sunday, and that first Sunday is always the hardest Sunday. Could I, could I just share with you, you know, I never pastored, <clears throat> well, I pastored one church out of the four that I pastored uh, that was easy. In fact, I don't mind telling you what church it was. It was Harlingen, Texas. Uh, Mel Justice is the pastor there now, and I can tell you the guy, he's got it made. I, easy Street, gravy, Harlingen, Texas. Harlingen, Texas, I'd go into a board meeting with some big thing, and I'd lay it on the board, and I'd say, uh, and, the, and I'd say, well, they just stood there looking at me, and I'd say, well, what do you think? And they'd say, well... 
did God tell you to do that? And I say, well, I, yeah, I think so. Well, then let's do it. Most of the churches that I pastored, when I'd share something with that, they began to wanting me to take a psychological test. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? And I pastored some tough churches. Both of those churches that were tough churches, I stayed the longest at. I've had ministers say to me, and I, I don't say this, but I'm just telling you, they would say, how could you do that? How could you stay there for 17 years? What, what, is, what they were basically saying is, what is wrong with you, brother? Do you not have any more influence than that? Don't you have any friends? <laughs> and I always told them the same thing. I'm there because that's where God called me. And the only salvation I have is that he still calls me there today, so where am I going to go? You see, the only thing we have going for us is to get up every morning and get out of bed and know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, you're in the center of God's will. And if you're there, it doesn't matter what's happening around you, folks. You're in the right place. Amen? I know that's heavy, but I can tell you it's true. There's a second thing that I notice here about the Mount of Olives of why it was so dear to Jesus. It's a sacred place to Jesus because he met God there. And folks, I want to tell you that the challenge, in fact, David Busick, one of our general superintendents, just this last district assembly, he addressed this, and he addressed it because it is a disease on the foreign mission field. It's a disease in Canada. It's a disease in America. And that disease is this, people who confess a relationship with God but they can't tell you where or when it happened. When did you meet God? Well, I love God with all of my heart. He's my Savior. Yeah, when did that happen? Well, I've always been a Christian. No, you haven't. The devil told you that. Let me tell you something. A relationship with Jesus Christ starts with an on-purpose confession of sin, a realization that you are a sinner, confessing your sin before him and asking him to forgive you of your sins and come into your heart and life. And when that happens, it is a miracle experience with God, and you ought to know when it happened. Well, I've always been a part of the church. That's wonderful. When did you become a Christian? You go to Crown Point, Indiana. Every now and then I go back to Crown Point, Indiana, not as often as I used to since my mother passed away. But we'd go back to Crown Point, Indiana, and I lived in Crown Point, Indiana for 22 years of my life. I was associated with Crown Point, Indiana, and then three years as a professional teacher at the high school that I graduated from. But if you go to Crown Point, Indiana, I'm not likely to take you past the high school where I graduated and where I taught 
I'm not going to take you to the courthouse square that, it, that the, that's the county seat of Lake County, Indiana, and show you that, and I'm not going to take you over to a little jail where Dillinger escaped with a soap gun. <laughs> that's a true story, the black mark on Crown Point, Indiana. I'm not going to show you that, but I might take you to an apartment building to the second floor, right there, just inside the corner of that second floor, the apartment right on the left. That's the place where Dr. Graves knocked on the door to visit a young lady, and I was there. And he asked the young lady if she had a relationship with Jesus Christ, and when she said that she did, he turned to me and said, what about you? And I knelt there at that couch that day, and on purpose, I gave my heart to Jesus. It's the place where Jesus met God. Do you know the place where you met God? Let me tell you something, folks. With the world the way that it is today, and I mean this with all of my heart, I wouldn't spend one day in 2018 but what I had a no soul salvation that I knew the time and if I didn't have the time I'd make the time when I found Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior and I can point back to my Mount of Olives where I met God there's a third thing here that that I noticed it's not only a place where Jesus met God and a place where Jesus met God, but it's also, thirdly, a place where Jesus met God. And by that I mean this. He met him often there. It was a regular meeting. And I can tell you in 2018, ladies and gentlemen, the challenge of that is Nothing will change your life anymore than to have a regular place. And you may not have that where you meet God. Even in retirement, you get into a routine. I always thought that in retirement, you didn't have a routine anymore. I really did. I thought, man, when I retire, I'm not going to know if it's time to eat or time to go to bed. Hey, man, I'm just going to release it all, just helter-skelter, just do it when I want to. But in our house, every morning that I arise, I go out and I do all the jobs and chores that Jan's lined up for me. And Jan, she goes and showers and gets ready to go because she's not retired yet. Somebody please talk to her. She's, she's not retired yet, and so she's got, and what she does is she gets ready, and then she comes out into the kitchen, and I, I always be watching Mike and Mike. Yeah, they killed the show. They're not on anymore. I'm in depression. Uh, but I'd be, I'd be watching Mike and Mike, and when she would come, She'd always go, she goes through a certain routine and then she goes and she sits down at the table and it is at that point that no matter what they're saying, Mike and Mike gets muted. 
It doesn't matter who the guest is, what they're talking about. They may give, be given the secret to who's going to win the national championship. Doesn't matter. Mike and Mike gets muted because Jan, before she ever goes to work, before she ever meets the first person, before she ever does her assignment, she takes time to open the word of God and to meet God. You know, folks, I've just been around long enough to know that that might not be a part of your regular routine. What would happen in 2018 to your life if you suddenly decided that you're going to have a place every day where you meet God? I heard David Graves, one of our general superintendent, David was a driver for Pepsi. First time that I met him, he was going to Olivet, and in the summer he was driving truck for Pepsi-Cola, delivering Pepsi. And uh, somehow the Church of Nazarene loved Pepsi, so they elected him general superintendent. <laughs> I think that's how it happened. I don't know. How Is that how it happens? And uh, so the Coke people voted against him, the Pepsi people, and he had enough votes. I'll never forget his testimony that he shared at the very first assembly that I saw him do, and this is what he said. He says, folks, I got to tell you, you get busy as a general superintendent. And he said, you get busy as a pastor, so it goes all the way back to those days. And you get busy as a Christian, and it goes all the way back to those days, so I can talk about my Christian life my pastoral life, and I can talk about my general life, and I'm going to tell you this. I always read the paper the first thing in the morning. And he said, one day I said to myself, what are you doing? And I started reading the word the first thing every morning. And I started getting along with God and found that place where I would meet him every day regularly, and he could count on it, and I could count on it. And listen to this. He said, it literally changed my ministry. One last thing. It was the place where he met God, and it was the place where he met God. And it's also the place where he is going to come and meet God. That's the place, Mount Olivet, Jesus is going to come. And he's going to come there as Savior. And I'm just going to tell you something this morning, and I don't know a lot, but nobody in this life can look around at what's happening in our world today and not say to themselves, and I know that the last days began with Jesus' ascension, amen? That's when we started living in the last days. All these guys that preach about the last days, the last days have been going on for 2,000 years. But I believe with all my heart that we are living in the last of the last days. And I would challenge you that in 2018, you know what the Bible says concerning the, the coming of the Lord? One of the greatest signs of the coming of the Lord is this, 
at a time when they think not. At a time when they just don't believe I'm ever going to come. At a time when their hearts are so cold, they're not spending time with me, they're not in touch with me, they don't sense me, they don't know that I'm present with them, they don't have that closeness with me at that time, I'm going to come. And I'm going to stand on the Mount of Olives. And I'm going to bring an end to this world as we know it. I would challenge you this morning to go into 2018 beginning with tomorrow with an anticipation of the coming of the Lord. You know, back in the 60s when I was first a Christian, late 60s, we had a lot of evangelists that would come and every time we had an evangelist come, you could just count on it. They'd preach on the second coming at least one sermon. Some of them, they just the whole week. But they'd always preach on the second coming at least one sermon. And I'm telling you folks, those guys were so gifted. By the time you left that service, you thought if you opened the back door to leave the church, he was going to be standing there. Jesus himself. Amen? And you always had this tremendous sense. We would sing about it. We'd talk about it. We'd teach about it. He's coming. He's coming. Jesus is coming. I never believed that I would ever be an old man. You can see that the Lord made me a liar there, didn't I? I never believed I would ever be an old man. I believed that Jesus would be here by now. But you see, for me then to say, eh, you know, I've heard that. I've heard that. Man, he's not coming. Yeah, he's coming. And I want to live every day of my life with an anticipation that I've got it all in order. And I'm ready for him to break the eastern sky. I'm ready for the news to say something is happening on Mount Olivet. Jesus has come again. Amen. Well, let me summarize my message this morning because I, I wrote it down because I wanted to I wanted to understand I'd probably be nervous even in my advanced age. So I wrote it down. Here's what I'm saying this morning. The lesson of Mount Olivet, just talking about me. Here it is. I met God one day as a lost teacher. I meet him every day at a place appointed. I live knowing I'm going to meet God one of these days in the person of Jesus Christ because each day I try to meet him in the center of his will. You do that in 2018, you won't go wrong. And you will have a peace that passes all understanding.
pray for you. Father, I pray this morning for these wonderful people. I pray, Father, they, they know that place where they met Jesus. And Lord, if they don't know where that place is, I pray, Father, that they would find that place, that time when they said, Jesus, I know, I know I'm a lost sinner. I know that sin separates me from God. And I know that Jesus paid the price for that. And I ask forgiveness through him and that he would come into my heart and into my life. I pray that you'd challenge us, Lord, to meet you every day at a, somewhere, sometime, someplace. If it's wherever that be, whether it's in the car on the way to work, or if it's at the kitchen table as Jan does, or if it's, it's at a prayer closet or next to a chair as I do, Lord, wherever that is, help us to be mindful of meeting you. And Father, help us to so live our life that we find ourselves in the center of your will that one of these days you're going to come and we're going to be ready to meet you and to be with you forever and ever. I pray this today for God's people and for those that are here today in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a song. Amen. Letting go of every single tree, I lay each one down at your feet. Every moment of my wandering never changes what you see. I try to I confess my hands are weary I need your rest mighty warrior king of the fire no matter what I face your body
have a pastor and the next pastor is not coming till next Sunday that probably if you're here this morning you've been coming here a long time amen I know that I've, I've passed long enough to know that but I just have to tell you this morning that it would be wrong of me not to tell you that if by chance you don't know Jesus as your Savior this morning by a personal act on purpose on purpose asking him to come into your heart and into your life we'd love to pray with you this morning and I'll be down here at the close of the service might join this one that has responded here at the altar of prayer it's never embarrassing to come into the presence of the Lord amen and it's never embarrassing to find that time when we know for sure that he is our Savior and we know that place where it happened so I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna and that'll be the dismissal prayer and if you'd like to come up we'd love to pray with you this morning thank you father for the privilege of being a part of this church for these few weeks for these wonderful people their kindness and their love we're thankful for that we thank you that they have found a, a spiritual leader we're so grateful, Lord, because you didn't uh, tarry in giving them a leader, but you have sent a man to be their leader, their spiritual leader, and we thank you for him. And pray blessings, Lord, upon his ministry, and that great things would happen here at Waco Church of the Nazarene, that many would come to know Christ as their Savior, that there would be an expectancy in and a time of rejoicing in the great things that God is going to do through the combination of dedicated laymen and, a, and their spiritual leader. I pray for great days ahead. Now, Father, if there be one here this morning that needs to pray, pray that you would just, in a wonderful way, draw them close to you right now as they step forward to make this big decision in their life. Dismiss us, Lord, in your strength. Give us safety on the highways today. For relatives, Lord, that are traveling, Father, would you just protect them on the roads, both coming and going. We ask these things in thy precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go this morning.